noticed our uh, episodes have been getting a little longer. Yeah, they have. Do you think that's a problem? Maybe a little. Welcome to episode 12 of Acquired, the podcast where we talk about technology acquisitions that actually went well. I'm Ben Gilbert. I'm David Rosenthal. And we are your hosts. This episode, we're going to try and do something a little bit different. Today, we're going to talk about one that didn't happen at all. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) This this week, we're going to cover um, Facebook's attempted acquisition of Snapchat for $3 billion dollars. A while back in uh, November of 2013 yes and it'll be cool because we uh, we have um, not only the deal didn't go through but we have uh, the benefit of of history to help us grade um, what would have happened if that that offer actually went through well, we know we know what would we know for a fact what would have happened otherwise if Facebook didn't acquire snapchat yeah, that's actually really easy all right a few things before we get into it one Please rate us on iTunes. It's how we grow the show, and it's how we gain more listeners like you. Um, we uh, we also really appreciate any social sharing. If you like the show, um, please shout it out on Twitter or Facebook. And uh, David has an update with a, a new thing we're trying. Yeah, we have a new innovation here at Acquired. We just launched a Slack community uh, that we're experimenting with. So if you'd like to join us on Slack, uh, go to our website, acquired.fm. Uh, and from there, you can sign up and join our uh, community on on Slack, and uh, we're uh, we're gonna have some fun with it and see have some fun with it and see where it goes. Um, yeah, we we plan on doing kind of um, like episode discussion in the week following. Um, we get a lot of email from from people directly to us, and we we figure you know that actually could be pretty beneficial to just have that in a, a group context. And Slack seems nice, like a nice way to do it because a lot of us are, are already on it for our, our work day in and day out. We can just kind of passively subscribe and, and um, you know, kind of watch the conversation. Yeah, and uh, we'd love to see uh, where it goes with the community. So you can use it. You can DM us for, with uh, with feedback or questions um, or just, uh, just post in the community. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, also a good good place for if you have ideas for uh, future shows that you want us to do, um, if you think you'd like to be a guest on the show, uh, we've got a, a few great guests coming up that we're super excited about. So um, more great stuff to come. All right. Time to get into it. All right. Well, we tried to get guests for today, but both uh, both Zuckerberg and Spiegel were, were booked up, unfortunately. Yeah. Or, or so we assumed. <laughs> All right. I'm going to dive in with acquisition history and facts. Um I'm gonna. This might take a little longer because this is a long story here. David, do not scare them away. <laughs> All right. So, 2010, Evan Spiegel is a sophomore at Stanford, and uh, he has just recently moved into the Kappa Sigma fraternity house that he had joined last year at the end of his the fraternity he joined at the end of his freshman year, and. Um, Across the hall, uh, a guy named Bobby Murphy, who's a senior, uh, is living there. And so they uh, they start hanging out. They become friends. And Murphy recruits Evan. Uh, Bobby recruits Evan to work on a social app that he had an idea for inspired by Google+. What? <laughs> Unsurprisingly, that goes nowhere. Time goes on and... Uh, 
Evan, uh, Evan's still at Stanford. Um, and he's actually, he's, he's doing great at Stanford. Um, so he's an undergrad and, uh, he ends up majoring in product design and David Kelly becomes his advisor. Uh, David Kelly's the founder of the D school. Yeah. Founder of the D school at Stanford and professor there and founded IDEO before that. Um, and the D school, I have a you know, bunch of personal history here, having gone to Stanford for business school. Um, the D school normally only admits uh, grad students, like undergrads can't take D school classes. Um, but somehow Evan manages to get David to be his advisor. Wow. And that's not the only cool thing he does as an undergrad. He manages to uh, uh, find his way into becoming an auditor for a class at the business school uh, strategy and management 354, I believe called entrepreneurship and venture capital, uh, which was my favorite course in business school. It was awesome. It was taught by Peter Wendell, um, who was one of the founders of Sierra ventures and was a longtime venture capitalist, uh, and then co-taught by Eric Schmidt and Raymond Nazir, who was, um, uh, Google's first head of, uh, head of communications. Uh, and worked for Eric uh, both at Novell before Google and at Eric. And it was an amazing class. We had amazing guest speakers come, um, people like Meg Whitman, um, like Biz Stone, like Peter Fenton, um, Scott Cook. Uh, and Scott Cook, when he came the year Evan was there, actually was so taken by Evan, by the young Evan Spiegel, that um, he hired him to be an intern to work on a, on a project that he wanted to launch it at Intuit. Wow, so so no doubt a special individual even before Snapchat. Even this was years before Snapchat. You could tell this kid had talent. He was going places. Um, so uh, that summer after uh, after Evan's sophomore year, um, he and Bobby team up again. They start a new company. Uh, this time, it's a website for aspiring college uh, people, high schoolers navigating the college admissions process. It's called Future Freshman. Why does this story feel super familiar? I feel like I've seen a movie about it, <laughs> like a, a kind of a failed idea before the big idea that took off, maybe maybe went to college together. Um, something about somebody believing it was actually their idea, laying claim. Yeah, was there? Uh, there were some twins who. Uh, yeah, they might have used a super similar law firm to yeah. the <laughs> the one here. I'm we're jumping ahead, but obviously referring to the social network here in Facebook, uh, this the similarities are eerie. Okay, so the future freshman that goes nowhere. Again, uh, April 2011. Uh, so it's it's Evan's junior year. And uh, Murphy, uh, Bobby's graduated, and um, Evan's hanging out one day, and his fraternity brother, also in Kappa Sigma, Reggie Brown, uh, who is a classmate of Evan's and a close friend, um, he, uh, he, he comes running up to Evan, and he's like, I've got an idea for an app. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And, um, and he's like, I, I, sent this, uh, I sent this picture to this girl uh, last night. Apparently, this is all... Uh, as we will discuss in a minute, this is all in um, discussed in the courts and legal filings. Um, and I, I got this idea for an app that you can make pictures disappear. And supposedly, Evan gets really excited and repeatedly calls it a, quote, million dollar idea. Which, One million dollars. Which he denies, I believe, in the court proceedings that he ever yes. said anything about the, the million, but, but did acknowledge he was very excited. Yes. So they get really excited, the two of them, Reggie and Evan. They recruit Bobby Again, this point, Bobby's graduated. He's got a real job. He comes back. He becomes the CTO of the company. 
uh, and Evan just conveniently happens to be in a design class at Stanford where uh, they build a product and a, and a company in the class. And the, the wait, did, was this actually part of his? Like he worked on this in a class? Yeah. So they they <laughs> they submit this this idea, this app that they're building. They decide to call it Peekaboo. Um, they submit it as their project for the class, as Evan's project. And the uh, the uh, final day of the class, there's a panel of esteemed venture capitalists that judge all of these these projects in the class. And so, you know, they work really hard during the semester, during the quarter, and um, and they get the get the app, you get a prototype done. It's actually at this point, it's a website. It's not even on a phone. You have to submit yeah, photo you, on a website. Right. You have to like click the choose file button on your computer. I mean, that's it, a mess. It was janky. Uh, and uh, and it goes over like a lead balloon. <laughs> the, uh, the, the app of esteemed VC judges hates it. Apparently, um, according to an interview with Evan, one of them suggests maybe they should talk to Best Buy about a partnership. I don't know what that would be, maybe with like cameras or something. <laughs> uh, so not a, uh, not a, not an auspicious start to um, the early days of Snapchat. Um, but undaunted, they decide to keep working on it. Uh, so they spend the whole summer uh, after that quarter uh, working on the app. Um, and they work really hard and they grow the app. And by the end of the summer, they have 127 users. Which, uh, having worked on a couple of consumer things that that um, didn't work, and actually working on one now, it is like so terrifying when you see these kind of like super low numbers, and then everything you're reading about in the press has insanely high consumer engagement, and you're like, I need three to four more orders of magnitude before this is anything meaningful. Yeah. And it's like it's it's almost inspirational that they only had had 127 users. 127. They worked on all summer, so we're now roughly six months into the life of what would become Snapchat. They have 127 users. Uh, at the end of the summer, there's also unfortunately a, a big argument occurs between Evan and Bobby and Reggie, and Evan and Bobby kick Reggie out of the company. Um, then, uh, then the summer ends, and, and that uh, that argument came right around the time, or part of the same discussion as when they're figuring out their equity splits, right? Yeah, I think it was prompted by figuring out the equity splits. Which boy is that a, a lesson for founders out there to have that thing early before people start to feel like they're um, they've already you know contributed and earned more than than um, the rest of the group thinks. I mean, unless your strategy is really Machiavellian and you want to push your co-founders out of the company and get more equity for yourself. Yeah, have that discussion early. Yeah, I, I, we would recommend having <laughs> pro tip have that have the equity discussion early. Um, so the app's still going nowhere. The summer ends. Evan heads back to Stanford for his senior year. Um, Bobby's like, "Hey, I need a job," so he he takes a job at another startup yeah, in San I read Francisco. That, that blows my mind. They that like they left the app in the store. They literally put it on ice. Wow. Um. And, uh, and around the same time, more bad news, they get a cease and desist order from another startup called Peekaboo that I think is also in the photo space uh, telling them they need to stop using the name. So Snapchat or Peekaboo is on the ropes at this point. You know, they need to change the name. They come up, they brainstorm, they come up with Snapchat. And they kept the ghost. I'm, I'm pretty sure Brown yeah, actually kept- came up with the, the, um, the ghost logo. That was his, his contribution before he got kicked out of the company. Yep, I think that's right. Um, 
So one other thing happens in the fall as, as Stanford classes are starting again, uh, and it turns out to be really important, and that's that Evan's mom, this is all, this is all according to articles on the internet, including a, a big, really good um, uh, profile in Forbes uh, on, uh, on, um, on Evan Spiegel that, that there's a lot of our source material here. Um, Evan's mom uh, is, tells her niece who's in high school in Orange County. Uh, so this is Evan's cousin, who's a high schooler in Orange County, about this app that Evan's working on. And her niece down, downloads it and uh, thinks it's really cool and starts using it with her friends in high school. And and one of the reasons that it, they start using it is that you don't need to use it on a phone. You can use it on an iPad because, um, you know, it works, it works on iPads too. And, and with the iPads that their school, their, you know, Tony... Uh, private school in Orange County had given them, they had them locked down so you couldn't like, you know, text, you know, use iMessage. Yeah. I think I read something. They, they also made it so you couldn't install Facebook, yeah. which is actually, it is incredibly ironic that the fact that those iPads didn't have Facebook is why they needed a different way to communicate. So they installed Snapchat. So they installed like this like random cousins app so that they could, you know, text each other <laughs> during the day with their school iPads in an Orange County. Wow. Crazy. So it sweeps through this school. Then it starts sweeping through other high schools in Orange County. Uh, then it moves up the state. And uh, and then it moves into um, other high schools in, in Northern California and in Silicon Valley. Um, and the, the growth takes off. So by December of um, 2011, uh, Snapchat is up to just over 2,000 users. The next month, January... 20,000 users. A couple months later in April, 100,000 users. So there's an order of magnitude growth in a month and then a f- another 5x the next month? Uh, in in the next two to three months to after three. that. Wow. Um, and uh, th- this is the proverbial hockey stick. They have found <laughs> it. <clears throat> so all of a sudden they need to pay the server costs because they're hosting a lot of photos at this point. Well, and the incredible thing too, I mean, a lot of the time you're trying to make that product tweak to get you to that that hockey stick but this was truly like the product was stagnant and it was like it It literally didn't change anything finding the right market and it's not like they even found it it's like it finally insidious literally evan's mom found the right market for them wow (laughs) i mean these things it's almost like you shouldn't try to learn lessons from these things as founders because they're such extreme outliers that that it's almost like like chasing a true chasing a unicorn to try and to try and duplicate this sort of success good uh good choice of words um so at this point you know they're now it's now april they're at a hundred thousand users um they're they're i don't know if they're using aws or snapchat now uses google computer engine um if they were using that at that point but they they got to start paying the server bills yeah they're like by far the largest tenant i think yep on 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 gce yep um today uh so they raise a seed round four hundred eighty five thousand dollars from lightspeed at a uh four and a quarter million dollar valuation i think that was the pre-money um so but effectively lightspeed gets about 10 percent of the company for less than five hundred thousand dollars and at which point uh evan is furiously refreshing his his uh wells fargo app i think in in class as the story goes and as soon as he watches it hit he walks down he says goodbye to the professor and he drops out of of class or drops out of Stanford like months before graduating. Yeah. 
it's it's April graduation is in is in like May June. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he literally drops the mic in the middle of class. This is according to Evan. Yeah. Um, once the money hits the bank account and walks out the door and never comes back. Yeah, and if you were in that class, we would love you to join the Slack team and yeah. let us know how it really went down. But that's what we're going <laughs> off of. That's what we're going off of. Um, and uh, so <clears throat> walks out, uh, moves down to L.A., convinces Bobby to come down. They shack up at his dad's house in uh, in L.A. They convince a bunch of their friends from Stanford to also drop out of school months from graduation, come down, join the company, and start working on it. And then for basically the rest of 2012, that's when the core of Snapchat as we know it today gets built. Um, so they shack up in LA, work for the whole summer. Um, in October, they launch on Android. And when they launch on Android, they announce that they are now serving 20 million snaps per day uh, in October of 2012. Uh, December of 2012, they add the next big uh, pillar of Snapchat, which is video. Um, and then also in December of 2012, Mark Zuckerberg has heard about this app uh, and he sends an email to Evan Spiegel. He has. And it does seem that he had, had heard of it a little bit earlier since kind of quietly, my, um, <laughs> I almost said Microsoft, Facebook had been working on an app called Poke. They were reviving the old name of the, the feature that we all know from, from early on in, in Facebook use that really never gets used today to basically create a, a clone and actually from a, a UX perspective, a very excellent clone um, of Snapchat. And when Zuck um, does, does meet with Evan, it's kind of an interesting story of how he, how he gets there. Um, Zuck says, hey, why don't you come hang out at Facebook? Evan says, oh, next time I'm up in the Bay Area. Evan, I think, follows up and says something like, why don't you come down here? So Zuck actually flies down to, to meet uh, Evan at, at Snapchat's headquarters. I think there's, there's a whole story about them, them getting like a, a private, them renting a private apartment to have this thing. But Zuck walks in with a plan. And he basically says, hey, here's how I would do Snapchat um, and sort of how I see your role in the world and how I could uh, could see this all playing out. And it's this grandiose vision and it's quite impressive. And he ends with saying, and we're going to be launching Poke next week. Dun, dun, dun. It's not an offer to buy them. It's not like it's like we are going to this is not you. the acquisition offer. <laughs> yeah. This is not the acquisition offer you've been looking for it is not. And um, so Zuck flies home, uh, you know, Evan, I, I think as the, um, the story goes, and I, I feel like this might be over dramatized, but, um, the book is the art of war. Yeah. <laughs> e- Evan gets his whole team, a copy of the art of war and they all are. Sun Tzu's the art of war. Yes. They, they all read Evan it. Spiegel's carve out for the week. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was the guess we were going to have on. And, um, and they, uh, watch carefully as poke launches, um, Evan had deleted his Facebook account, so he goes to Bobby and has him check out Poke, and sure enough, it's it's great. But the thing that's even greater is all the buzz that happens for Snapchat by Poke launching. Yeah, and I believe it, you know Evan then is 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 quoted as saying like this was this is basically like Merry Christmas to Snapchat when Facebook did <laughs> this because it brought so much attention to the platform. Like the second word out of everybody's mouth when talking about this huge launch that Facebook was publicizing was Snapchat. Yeah, it's so and and a couple interesting observations here. One, 
um, that's a super common thing. I think that a lot of the times, uh, I, I know this actually at firsthand, I made a to-do list manager similar to Reminders for the iPhone before Reminders launched. And when Reminders launched, we were like, oh my God, we're dead. Apple Sherlocked us. And Sherlocking is a reference to Apple back in the day launching an app built into the platform called Sherlock um, that put all the other search apps out of business. I think I have that story right. It might have been called search. Ah, uh, yeah, the app was called Sherlock, and then Apple built Spotlight. Anyway, ah, uh, yeah, yeah, something like that. The um, but what it did for us as a, a to do list was make a lot of people realize they needed a to do list manager, and maybe they didn't like the the generic one that that Apple launched. Same thing with Instapaper when Apple launched the yep. the um, what is it, Read Later service that's built into yeah, the OS that nobody and uses, and and, and uh, sales for Instapaper spiked. So it's kind of an interesting like. Don't be and, so afraid of the big guy launching yep. your your feature. And in this particular case, as is so much evidence, I mean, the reason we're spending so much time on the history and facts here is like, this is amazing. Like, you couldn't make this stuff up. No, this um, is, and, and it's this is like wonderfully dramatic and like it couldn't have been scripted any better. That, and we know it all from both court cases and <laughs> interviews that that Evan's given with, with media outlets. Yeah, and here's the part that gets me. Like, Snapchat is could you could argue it's already today but could at one point be an existential threat to facebook the reason they got installed on those ipads was because facebook was being blocked and they needed something else and then the reason that they got this huge boost in downloads right before christmas that year was because facebook gave them a gift i mean they launched like snapchat and then made everyone go to well this was such a legitimizing moment for snapchat because until then to the extent anybody talked about it it was like oh that's just for sexting right right i remember that and i remember the turning point too where i started realizing okay we'll talk about this in tech trends but like okay my friends are using this for like really telling me the story of their life as it's actually happening without trying to make themselves look perfect. And this was before Snapchat stories, but I remember getting Snapchats and realizing these are pictures people would never put on Facebook. And yet I'm engaging with these people all day, every day. And none of like, maybe I'm not cool. I don't know. None of them were sexting. Like every single one that I would get from someone is just like, this is like a candid casual peek into my life. And that, I kept trying to tell that narrative and I, I was even later, some people were trying to tell me that narrative, but I wanted to make the joke. And I remember trying to tell that narrative to people at work and my family and everyone's like, uh, it was like taboo to have it installed on your phone because it yeah. was known as the app for sexting. Yep. And you're right. It's totally legitimized. It. Totally legitimizing it. Um, so just two short months later, February, 2013, three huge pivotal, pivotal moments for Snapchat. Uh, first, they announced that they're now seeing 60 million snaps per day going through the platform. Second, they raised their Series A. They raised $13.5 million from, uh, from Benchmark um, at about a $70 million valuation. Uh, and interestingly, there was actually Matt Kohler at Benchmark who first kind of identified Snapchat and started making inroads with them. And then uh, Mitch Lasky ended up uh, leading the deal and joining the board for Benchmark. Um, but Matt had been, uh, well, first he was very early employee at LinkedIn, um, but then he was, a very, I think, one of the first five employees at Facebook. Um, and then when he left Facebook to join Benchmark, his first deal that he did was Instagram. 
Yeah, not a terrible track record. Not a terrible track record. So here's here's this guy, you know, this firm that has uh, uh, and this group of people that have such intimate history with Facebook and Zuckerberg and then Facebook's first foray into their next suite in their constellation of mobile apps with Instagram now leading the Series A in Snapchat. Uh, this like Shakespearean drama continues. And so then the third event that happens in February of 2013 <laughs> is that poor Reggie Brown, the uh, the erstwhile um, third co-founder, suddenly he really, he's moved back home to South Carolina at this point. Again, you can't make this stuff up. Um, and he realizes that Snapchat might be worth a lot of money, and he sues the company and claims that he's due uh, one-third ownership stake in Snapchat. Which actually does work out pretty well for him. Um, I think uh, he was seeking, it ended up getting resolved. Um, it was seeking um, damages of, I think, like half a billion dollars. And uh, they settled out of court, but I, I think it was in the, the hundreds, of, hundreds of millions. Rumored to be. No, nobody knows. Yeah. Um, that is one court case that did not yeah. leak. Yeah. Well, thank you for, to that court case for happening, though, because we got this great story to tell. Much like this, um, the same thing with the YouTube Sequoia memo. Yeah. We're getting all kinds of great stuff here from the courts. Um, so then, you know, after that, it's kind of like, you know, inevitable. So April 2013, 150 million snaps a day. June 2013 which is just, what is, what is that, four months? Four months after they raised their Series A, they raised, the, they raised a Series B of $80 million for, led by IVP at an $800 million valuation. So literally over 10 times the valuation of the Series A four months later. And I remember at this time, people were not sure this was sustainable. People were like, people oh, thought it was crazy. it's going to be a fad. And yeah. I remember making the argument that the UI was terrible and what they were doing was commodity and... I remember people talking about, like, are they going to charge for it? Are there going to be ads for it? And I remember thinking what they're doing is so simple and easily buildable in a weekend that as soon as somebody clones it and builds one that's free or there's no ads, everyone's just going to move to that. And that like made sense to me at the time. That it, it seemed uh, like they, they didn't, young Ben, you were not yet schooled in the power of the network, network effects. effects. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Boy, it is a mighty moat. Oh boy, is it ever? Um, so that was June, August of 2013. <laughs> Facebook is getting desperate at this point. They release a feature in Messenger that allows you to post to Instagram from Messenger. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like this is going to, you know, like take down Snapchat. Um, September 2013, 350 million snaps per day. Snapchat announces October 2013, they launched Stories, which are incredible that we'll, we'll get that, into that later. game changing. Totally game changing. Um and then finally, November 2013, uh, rumored, um, but but leaked to many, many press outlets, including the Wall Street Journal, uh, Mark Zuckerberg makes an offer to buy Snapchat for $3 billion. He does. And, you know, there's no, um, nobody knows exactly where the leak came from there. I think Zuckerberg sort of alleged, and we know this from the Sony email leaks. Zuckerberg alleged that um, it was uh, it was a tactic by Evan. Um, you know, Evan throws back that it could have just as easily been Zuckerberg to try and and, and dampen their fundraising efforts rather than bolster them. Um, but anyway, there's no it never really comes to fruition, and all we know is that the, the offer didn't was happen. made. It didn't. We know the offer was made. We know it didn't happen. But it's it's pretty. I mean. 
you both have to <laughs> put yourself in Mark Zuckerberg's shoes here. Less than a year ago, he flew down to L.A. and he basically sat there, you know, according to, you know, what what we've what's been disclosed uh, and what we can read about. He sat there and he told Evan, you know, how to build Snapchat and how he would do it and what the right way to do it is. And oh, by the way, Facebook was just going to do it. So, you know, good luck with your little app. And then less than a year later, he's he's again sitting there offering to pay $3 billion in cash for this little app. Which is, is three Instagrams. Keep in mind, WhatsApp hasn't happened yet. So this seems absolutely yep. preposterous. I mean, I, I, uh, I'm just sitting there thinking, you know, later on we're going to kind of judge, like, should they, should they have offered more or, um, you know, what should they have done after, or what should Zuck have done after it was declined? Um, but, you know, it, it seems crazy. And, yeah. and at the time, you got to think like, okay, why does why does Facebook need to do this? What is Facebook's core competency that is the 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 mighty moat that they can't have upended? And you know that's that's effectively owning your attention because then they get to choose what to do with your attention, how much to to use for advertising, where to point it in terms of articles or friends, how to weight all that. But Facebook, their number one holy grail metric is engagement. And how much can they keep you engaging and hold your attention in a day? And Snapchat is is just like the the perfect storm of more engaging. Yeah, and that's you know, um, well, we'll jump into acquisition category had it happened in a minute, but um, you know, fast forward to today and in, in May of 2016, and it's interesting, you know, Snapchat. Um, is growing super fast and I'm sure will reach a large number of users at some point, but their, their DAU, the, the daily active users that they report is about a hundred million now, which is about a, a 10th of Facebook, right about now. a 10th of Facebook. Um, and is, I believe smaller than Twitter. Well, Twitter's MAU, I think is like three, 400 million, maybe it's like 300 and whatever it is, it hasn't grown meaningfully in a while. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, Ben hit on engagement and that, that is the key here with Snapchat. I mean, so today, um, they're closing with a hundred million daily active users. They are closing in on about uh, just about one billion snaps every single day. So that's for every active user on the platform. That's ten snaps per daily active user per day. And sixty percent of people who use Snapchat daily snap every day themselves so this totally snapchat totally blows up the you know the old um paradigm that you know 90 percent of your users on a social platform you know won't create content and 10 percent will and one percent will be super users like 60 percent are super users yeah like if you think about like a reddit type website or something you're gonna get 90 percent lurking just just being the the consumers nine percent are um are commenting and then one percent are are actually originating the content that creates the the uh, the conversation on the site and and you know <laughs> what they just completely upended it by making it stupid easy to create literally stupid easy yeah like I remember I, it actually works to their advantage that it still looks like this and it's sort of their brand but I remember thinking that it was like kind of hackish and amateurish that the best way that they could think to overlay text over any image was by just like, ah, screw it. We'll make the whole line dark behind there <laughs> and like, ah, ship it. It just, it just felt so crummy to me. But like now it's, it's become, if you see that anywhere, you're like, oh, that's a, that's a screenshot in Snapchat. 
Like they should just do billboards of that because that's their brand at this point. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, you know, I mean, this is one of the reasons why we spent so much time on the history, A, because the story's amazing, but B, I mean, it's clear that Evan is an incredibly talented, um, you know, product visionary. Um, it's not like, you know, Snapchat's, uh, Snapchat's look and feel and brand in a lot of ways is as Ben, as you were saying, super janky, but like it's intentional, right? Or is it pioneering? David? (laughs) I mean, they really do all these, all these UI paradigms are like so foreign the first time you use the app. And we're having so many people now that they're kind of breaking north of their, 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 um, uh, stereotypical age group into, into more adult usage. Um, people like being, saying, I don't know how to use Snapchat and I need my kids to teach me. And, you know, that, that's always true with any new technology. But e- putting on my iOS developer hat, the easiest thing to do when creating an app is to create a table view with a, a navigation bar at the top and then a little drill down, just like when iPhone OS launched in 2007. Yep. And what Snapchat's really done is say, they're like, nope, you open it up and it's in camera mode. And then everything is gestural from there. And once you learn it, you get incredibly fast at that. And it's like its own language and grammar. Yep. And and one of the things, there was a, a great article. Shoot, I can't remember where. We'll find it in the um, and link to it in the show notes that just came out. Um, another one of many profiles of Evan and of the company. And um, one of the things it talks about, you know, it's notoriously been hard to work for Evan. And there's been a lot of employee turnover at Snapchat. Um but one of the things it says in there is that like the any discussion of like well we need we have problem x or we need to do thing y and so we should just look at what you know other people have done on that like what did google do what did facebook do like what did instagram do like like that'll get you fired like right away like the culture they have and that evan tries to cultivate there is like i don't care what other people have done in the past like we're doing things our way here um which I think you, I mean, you really got to admire it. Like it's what's, it's what's gotten Snapchat to where it is. Yeah. And this is, I'm going to, I'm going to pull forward my um, tech trends, but uh, there's some interesting things there because they're doing a lot of things mobile first in a way that I wouldn't have known the current users or the current um, products weren't doing mobile first. One of their big sells, and we'll talk about their uh, revenue model right now is um, vertical video advertising. And for the first time, they're forcing content creation to appear in the way that is the most immersive on your phone. And I think if they're looking at others, they say, okay, well, how do people do ad units? Oh, it's a feed or, oh, they repurpose, you know, letterboxed video or they make people turn it sideways. And that wouldn't be as engaging. I mean, it's a harder path to go this way, but it's, you know, I think it's fair to say product visionary that everything is completely rethought in this absolute mobile first way. They also have basically... I mean, they they change the way that they they um, do uh, user growth and, and adding your friends with snap codes. I mean, that is yeah. the that is the first time I've seen QR codes used effectively in the wild. And I think that you know, if you go get a Facebook product manager or you go and get you know someone who's worked at at LinkedIn or, or Google, you ask like, oh, how should we do like an invite system and a fa- and an adding friends system? There's like a templated way to know how to do that. And this is so different. It's like what do you mean if they're probably right next to each other so it will be will it be easy to just show the screen to the other screen yeah okay cool snap code accomplished yeah. or what if and they interestingly make it that was picture? an acquisition they acquired the technology behind the qr code oh nice yeah. well i guess um, good, good on them for for you know 
seeing the opportunity to to do something new and novel there rather yep. than re-implementing the playbook. But it's, but it's a really good point, Ben, and I think that's something that um, you could almost say is like a dirty little secret of Silicon Valley. Like, there's actually not that much innovation that happens. You know, uh, it's really rare. I mean, I was yeah. Somebody like, in the Facebook or the PayPal mafia figures it out once, and then everyone does and it then that that playbook gets disseminated to everybody, and like it's. It's really hard. I mean, I, I was emailing with a founder I work with today and we're facing a problem. And I was like, oh, well, we should uh, let's look at how, you know, Stripe dealt with this because like they dealt with this problem. So we should probably like do what they did, you know, and like it's really dangerous thinking. Um, but it's also difficult to know and it, it's difficult to know how to do what's right when when you're doing something new um, and how much to take from the playbook because it is the right thing and how much to be the innovator yeah 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 okay so i think for the structure of the show what we'll do now is we'll we'll dive into category what would have happened otherwise we can talk through a little bit um and we'll kind of wait all the way till we get to render conclusion to talk about their current business does that sound good to you sounds good to me all right sweet so acquisition category i was torn on this and here's here's how i'll i'll frame it if they had actually gotten the acquisition done when they did, it would have been, or when they made the offer, um, that would have been a product acquisition. They were buying yep. one single product that people all over the place were using in the exact same way. At this point, it would be a business line. It is many products rolled into one. I mean, they've got what, stories and Discover and the, the traditional Snapchat model. And they like they have several different ad units that they sell in there, and those are all different products for advertisers. And I think that at this point, is it would be like the Snapchat business unit of Facebook rather than hey, we bought this one-off app. It has a lot of people using it, like WhatsApp. It would it would truly be like they would need their own ad sales team. They they would need a, a lot of things that wouldn't be able to be factored into Facebook. Yep, I think that's right. Um, the only counterpoint I'd offer. Um, is maybe this would be had this actually happened and had uh, Facebook done its thing and just left it alone um, and all of the growth and innovation that's happened at Snapchat had also happened I think you could almost argue that this would be a new category which would be like a wholly independent company within another company um, yeah and then okay so because it's because it's all of it right like it's the people it's the technology it's the product it's the like the way the business operates all of these things are just wholly different from Facebook yeah and this is um, in a way that Instagram and WhatsApp really aren't yeah so let's play that out so now we're into what would have happened otherwise um, if the acquisition had gone through this is pre-revenue for Snapchat yep does Facebook kind of have their way with it and, and start gathering more information about the Snapchat user? Or even better yet, they probably find a way to just tie those together on the phone where they say, oh, this person's logged in as Facebook here. They ask you to log in as Facebook with Facebook once in the Snapchat app so they can tie it together. Much like with Instagram, then an advertiser yeah. can target you in multiple ways and can say, you know, I'm going to use the same ad dashboard. I get the same targeting capabilities and I'm going to target this Snapchat user as if they were any other Facebook user, but I want to reach them when they're having this aha moment instead of when they're in the Facebook app, you know, reading about XYZ. I think 
I think that's absolutely would have happened because they would have used that common ad platform and continue to leverage it and make it even easier for advertisers to advertise on multiple mediums. And that is very different than the ad yeah. strategy that Snapchat is doing now. Yeah, that's this is what makes this... Um, well, you, listeners are the judge of whether this is interesting or not. Um, but to me, what makes this so interesting is like, since the, the spurned acquisition offer, Snapchat has really like totally gone off and become the anti-Facebook. Um, and that goes not just through the product um, and the consumer-facing aspects of it, but through the whole advertising platform as well. Um, I mean, Evan talks about and promises that they will never do creepy targeting. You know, there is, uh, that is Snapchat is a brand advertising platform and they will not track users. They will not collect data. Privacy is core to what Snapchat is. Um, and that's just, um, that's just anathema to the Facebook and in a lot of ways, the Google way of, of doing advertising. Yeah. And as you bring that up, this is something we were talking about earlier. It makes me think about, okay, so they're not going to have a million checkboxes and drill downs like I can use on a, a Facebook ad dashboard. And I was looking into it. All, all they can, all you can target on, on Snapchat is um, geographic location, age. You get reporting on how many people opened your, your, um, your Snap. And then you get to choose if you appear in a live story or what Discover channel you appear on. So you basically get live story program, Discover channel, location, and or gender, and then you get number of people who opened. It's pretty primitive. So yeah. if I'm trying to do any conversion-based advertising, that's right out. It's, it's extremely expensive, and I can't quantify it, and I don't know if I'm actually reaching my core to customers. But if I'm Coca-Cola, that sounds like a killer brand advertising platform. I can make sure people see it. They're like in this moment of discovery when they're looking for it it's fully immersive on their screen you know i designed and it i can target based on content right that's the other thing so that you you have contextual and targeting. location yeah contextual targeting it, location is like getting a little bit into the the um you know it would be more interesting to me from a conversion perspective but also interesting from a brand yeah but i mean things like uh like i think about you know snapchat like one of the places where it's really flourished is coachella and places like that right so like i can target people who are at coachella right right and the, and the big obvious thing here is there's no links on snapchat so i'm never leaving the platform it's not like they could link me out to go buy a product anyway it's it's purely one directional television style advertising Yep. And this is like, this is the kind of stuff, like, let's say I'm, you know, Coca-Cola again. Um, you know, if I'm advertising on Facebook, I'm just blasting, I can target super granularly in the heck out of people, but like, they're probably not that interested in drinking a Coke while they're on Facebook. But like, if I target people who are at Coachella, like, and it's hot out, you know, Maybe they want to drink a Coke, you know, or, or, or when I target based on that's location, which is secondary here, but, but content wise. So like all the discover channel, you know, uh, you know, ESPN or taste made, you know, um, I want to advertise to people who are interested in cooking. I'm, uh, you know, right. I'm, um, you know, Betty Crocker or whatever, like I could advertise on Facebook to people who list cooking as one of their preferences, but they're not cooking when they're on Facebook, but when they're watching taste made and watching cooking shows, then I can, then they're I, in the mode for, I, I don't know if the context is better. Like I look at it like you're not 
the nature of brand advertising is that you're not going to go and like transact on that and close the loop at anywhere near that moment. It's that it's like stored in your head. And um, I think that the context doesn't matter, but the richness of the ad does. You don't think there are psychological associations between content and advertising? I do. I just don't think that um, seeing an ad on Facebook is contextually worse than seeing it on Snapchat. I'm already in entertainment mode. I could see that yeah. if you're if you're advertising to me when I'm on a Google search and I'm on a quest for an inf- information and I'm like Coca Cola, yeah. get out of here right now. But on Facebook, like you know, I'm open yeah. to being entertained. A- anyway, my, I guess the point I'm making is I think the context of Snapchat isn't necessarily any better. But since they're doing brand ads and you have the opportunity to create a much more rich advertisement that it makes it a more valuable brand platform because you don't actually care about that granular of targeting. Fair enough. I still think like, you know, when I'm on ESPN and discover and I get ax body spray, I mean, <laughs> I would never wear ax body spray, but uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. so I claim on the internet. <laughs> um, but like, I don't know. I I like to the extent you could make an argument that television is still very valuable. It's like this is the argument which, which you absolutely can. So so here's here's we're getting into my render conclusion, but I think Snapchat's opportunity is enormous because brand advertising currently is and has always been much larger than than transaction based advertising. I'm not sure conversion based advertising. I don't know. The uh, right direct way. response. Direct response. That's yeah. There you go. Um, and advertising stays relatively fixed uh, as a percentage of the GDP. It's between one and one point four percent of the GDP ever since the notion of of you know advertising was was invented in the United States. And so, with that staying about flat, you know the GDP will grow some, but. Um, with that staying, uh, uh, you know, about fixed, it's about allocation. And if brand advertising is 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 and sort of will always be more significant than direct response, right now a lot more brand dollars are spent on television still than anywhere else. And now it's a race to what platform can effectively steal from television advertising. And that's where I think Snapchat's real yeah. opportunity is. It's, it's well, can they be? you know the the television of the future there's no good place really to do it online right now i mean we we did a past show on youtube you know youtube's kind of the best place to do brand advertising online right now and it's still got a bunch of problems and people skip ads and all that stuff you know whereas you know yes you can skip ads on snapchat but like just the whole modality of the product is so much more immersive and so are the ads they're 10 seconds and you kind of want to skip them less like i want to skip an ad when i'm watching discover as much as i want to skip one of my friend's stories that i'm not interested in basically like i've got 10 seconds if you can captivate me i'm good for 10 seconds whereas on youtube like running a pre-roll for a minute where i have to wait five seconds i'm just going to skip after five seconds every single time i possibly can because it's not designed to be watched all the way through for the impatient person and especially not on mobile especially not on mobile great point and snapchat is like totally piggybacking now we're in tech trends but totally piggybacking on our completely you know uh our culture that is not able to pay attention to things for very long and we 
end up watching, I was talking to someone else today, watching a snap for 10 seconds, watching another snap for 10 seconds, and maybe like 10 minutes go by and you end up completely immersed in, in something where you could have watched a whole television show in there, but it was cut up in small enough content where I was continually entertained. And again, back to like even Instagram and, you know, as our listeners know, we're big fans of Instagram, but like you got to scroll through the damn feed. You do, you do, and God, as a as a completionist, it kills me that it snaps to the top every time. So I have this like fear of opening Instagram now because what if I get partway down and then there's some pictures that I missed? Like Snapchat doesn't have that because everything in it, the understanding is like it's sort of unimportant and it'll go away anyway. So I can just check it at my leisure. And literally, you just open the app, and maybe you like you know you you open the app, you swipe left, you tap. And now with stories auto playing to the next story, that's all you got to do. Yeah, I think their average time viewed an app right now is like thirty minutes. I mean, they command a tremendous amount of attention. Thirty minutes with two taps and one swipe. Yeah, I mean it's 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 the attention war. I mean that's what this really comes down to from between Facebook and and uh, and Snapchat. And I was actually this is another um, great conversation I was having earlier this week. Uh, Instagram redesigned, and boy is it gorgeous! It just shows off just the content. Yep. We won't talk yep. about the icon, but inside it is like so nice. You're not digging the pink, no. But somebody raised a great point to me that the world sort of shifted, and now Instagram is a museum. Instagram inherently, I put less content on it because it's like a showcase, and it reflects on me forever. And when you when you go to Snapchat, the uh, my response was, well, Snapchat's like a crowded bar. Like there's, you know, there's content flying everywhere. It's, it's, it's loose. It's fun. And like that just creates a platform that is just commanding of way, way more attention than that museum feel. How much relative time do you spend in museums versus bars? Yeah. Well, I might be non-representative, of that, <laughs> but maybe not. Maybe you know? not. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's start driving this towards home. Um, okay. Uh, tech trends uh, you know i think we we touched on all mine um yeah mostly mine too um but i'll just call it out again um we've talked about this on the show i think it's maybe been one of my tech trends in the past but a oh, perfect example of start small you know like they started with nothing um but start small nail it for one audience and grow from there and i mean they didn't even do this intentionally but like you know <laughs> The use case of I want to text with my friends and Facebook is blocked on my iPad. Like, solve that. Then solve the next thing. Um, classic case. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and as Paul Graham says with that, try and get to the next order of magnitude of customers and don't far focus on the far future because contrary to what you might think, in startups, you can implement a hill climbing algorithm and there are not local maxima. So don't be afraid that you're going to hit a, a false peak. Just keep hitting the next peak, and you'll especially be able to get to the in, higher Especially peak in consumer-facing yes. companies. Yes. Yeah, I guess it's probably... Probably not the same in enterprise, but... Yeah, and I'm not sure I totally agree with that premise, but I, I sure like it from an inspirational perspective. All right. Conclusion? So so normally we would we would throw out, like, was it a good decision to make this acquisition? And so I was thinking for this one, you know, was it a good idea if you're a Snapchat shareholder to, you know, decline this offer? Uh, and David has a, a more interesting framework, I think, because because that one's that one's just a sure thing, right? It's like, oh, I'm a, I'm a Snapchat shareholder. Do I want to be worth $3 billion or the $16 billion it is valued on paper today and will likely continue to grow? 
So David, what's your, your framework? So um, I thought we could do uh, grade Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook for the decision to walk away after the $3 billion versus trying harder to make the acquisition happen likely at a higher price. Yeah. And this one's interesting because I think it presents a little bit more than just like obvious shareholder value. It gets into, you know, the more you're sending offers back and forth, the more likely to leak, um, the more you worry about your team back at Facebook, like we saw with the WhatsApp acquisition being like, wait, $19 billion we paid for what? And then sort of having to justify that. There might be like a personal pride thing on the line there. At the end of the day, like I'm as I'm talking through the, all this, I think n- none of it really matters that much, and it was still uh, uh, Facebook needed to offer more. Like it was, I, I give Facebook an F on not going and bidding higher. I, I think this one is like so clear cut at this point. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts, though. Yeah, um, I've been thinking about this. Um, I actually. I'm going to be, I'm going to be, our listeners are going to love this. I'm going to be uh, divisive here. I'm going to give them an A. And the reason I'm going to give them an A. Lay it on me. Is because especially with the direction that Snapchat has gone, I was thinking about this when we were talking about the category and I was like, oh, it could be like a company within Facebook. Like never would work. Like these are just two companies that cannot exist together. Um, And so if I'm Mark Zuckerberg and I'm Facebook, uh, this, this crystallized when you were talking about like the reaction within the company of Facebook. Like, okay, let's say he had bid Snapchat Snapchat up to, I don't know, $15 billion or $19 billion WhatsApp territory um, and then come back in. And then this guy, Evan, would come into the company and basically be like, you know, F you, everybody. Like, I do things completely differently here. I stand for everything that you are not, you know? what would that have done right and like facebook has been super successful in the in the two and a half years since this time um and i think in a lot of ways really crystallized what facebook is and um and what their you know growth potential is going forward and they're now what like a 300 ish billion dollar market cap company um i don't know yes yeah, i was thinking about digging in here but i i'm I'm trying to think through if Facebook did what I was talking about earlier and kind of like flattened it onto the same platform and made it easy for advertisers like Instagram. If, to your point, what if they bid it up to $15 billion? Would they in, in any reasonable time period have gotten $15 billion of advertising revenue out of it? Or would there just have been this implosion beforehand, like you say, of like culture mismatch, uh, a lot of the um, value that people are attributing to Snapchat right now is because it's on this unique and different trajectory that's more like television advertising than yep. direct response. And could that have existed within Facebook? Right. That's that's a really interesting question. If you question. logged in, what would Snapchat be like if you logged in with Facebook? That'd be weird. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're only, va- they're, only they're projected to um, get... Or, earn about $300 million of revenue this year. So, I mean, their, their valuation is, is like not, not based on their current revenues at all. It's, it's based on the promise of the future that it can replace television brand advertising. Yep. And I don't know what I would change my grade to, but I totally, totally see your argument that, that, um, 
you know, if Facebook continue to bid this up, they may actually not be able to get that much value of it internally or as much as they can do as an external company. And that's why we need new startups to come and create value that incumbents never could create. Yeah, I mean, this seems like a classic case of, you know, we saw it with Poke, like they recreated it, you know, pixel for pixel, and it just doesn't work inside Facebook. No. I mean, yeah, there was the network effect mode too, but like, right, right. it was still so small at that point. Um, all right. In More the interest dis- of time, skipping the carve out today. Uh, yeah, we can skip the carve out. Um, if you want to discuss more, uh, join us on Slack in yeah. our Slack community. Yeah, because God only knows my my uh, opinions are going to continue to waver on this. So um, we'll see you in there. All right. Till next time.